we're going to continue on. This is week seven, talking about the power of your confession. You know, it's real interesting. In Deuteronomy 18.20, it says, Life and death are in the power of your tongue. Isn't that amazing? In Deuteronomy 30.19, God said, Listen, today I've set before you blessing and cursing. So life and death. And then he gives you the answer. So therefore, choose life. How do you choose life? You choose life with the words of your mouth. You literally have the ability. Nothing and no one can stop you in this life but you. Our problem is never people. Our problem is never the enemy. Our problem is usually, well, not usually. Our problem is always an inch underneath our nose. It's our mouth. And you don't ever have to yield your tongue to your flesh, to the enemy, to anything but to God. You could live that way. You have the mighty Holy Spirit on the inside of you that will help you. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Romans chapter 7. And we're just going to go back and we're going to jump off here. Romans chapter 7 and verse 22. We've been talking about the importance of your thought life in relation to your confession. Because everything that's coming out of your mouth started by you embracing a thought. So if you're embracing right thoughts, you're going to ultimately speak right. But if you are embracing wrong thoughts, you're going to speak wrong. So the enemy knows this, so this is where the battle is. So we're going to talk a lot more about this tonight. In Romans chapter 7, verse 22, Paul is saying here, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Or in other words, my spirit delights in the word of God. But I see another law in my members or in my flesh that war, that's warring against the law of my mind. Why is it doing that? To bring me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my flesh. So we see that as we walk as believers, we are born again. We have the life and nature of God on the inside of us, right? Your spirit can't sin. But we don't have the fullness of our salvation yet because we still have an unredeemed body that's subject to the curse and it has that sin nature in it still. So now this sin nature in my flesh it doesn't war against my spirit because it can't touch my spirit. But it wars against the law of my mind. And remember, we've talked about this. The law of the mind is this. If you study this out in Scripture, in Paul's epistles, it's very clear. The law of the mind is this. As you implant the Word of God in your heart, what will come out of that is your behavior. So you're, the control center of your life is your mind. So this is why the control centers your mind, your steering wheel is your mouth. Satan knows this. Satan can't touch your spirit, but he, could, he, can, he can try to deceive you by igniting your senses and your flesh because the moment you get your eyes off Jesus, you're no longer in faith, and now he's separated you from your faith, 
and now he could come steal the word of God so that he can kill and destroy things in your life. But you don't ever have to let him again. Never again. Isn't it good news? That you could become everything that God has pre-planned you to become. And nothing can stop you in life. Unless you want to be stopped. How many of you want to be stopped? Cool. You can't be then. Isn't that awesome? Now remember that the next time he's telling you how much of a loser you are and how much this isn't working out and, and how you got to put up with this symptom or that situation. No, you don't have to. Jesus came to this earth to give you his life. And it cost him his life to give it to you. Isn't that amazing? It says here in Proverbs 23, 7, you don't have to turn there, but in the, in the first part of this verse, it says, you've heard this before, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now this word he, for as he, that literally is the Hebrew word for mankind. For as mankind thinks in his heart, so is he. That's a big, big thing. Your behavior and the quality of your life is going to be a product of how you think and what you think about most. Have you ever noticed if you have symptoms in your body, they are, they are talking to you. And if you don't pay attention, they will talk louder. But if you don't take them captive and tell them to shut up, they will talk louder and faster. Because Satan doesn't ever lead you. He drives you. Oh, he'll come off like he's trying to lead you. And he'll throw, well, what about this? You know, have you ever thought of this? But if you don't give in to that, he'll start getting real stressed because his nature is death, and he'll start trying to drive you. Think about this. Look at this. And that's where you just need to lift your hands and just start laughing. No, Satan, I'm never going to look at anything you tell me to look at. I'm never going to say anything you tell me to say. Right? And I'll tell you, try to stand this way. Start walking around going, no, I only, I'm only going to say and do what God tells me. You, you'll become a laughing stock to people. But that's okay. Because a lot of these people that laugh you to scorn will eventually come to you in their time of need and you'll be able to help them. Don't be moved by people, circumstances. Don't let anything move you. This is huge. Your behavior and the quality of your life is a product of literally what you're thinking about and what you're thinking about all the time. Your mind, God made your mind to work by mental imagery. You don't think in words. You think in pictures. You see things. The Holy Spirit doesn't tell you things to come. He shows you things to come. So you got to know how your mind works. These mental images form a picture of your perception of reality. This is why your thought life is so important. Because your thought, remember, we talked about last week, Thoughts are trying to shape you. 
So your mind works by mental imagery. You see in pictures in your mind. So now your mind is, is going to literally try to form a picture inside of you of your reality. Could be that I'm never going to get over in life. I have a desire for this, but I'm never going to be able to get that. I've been trying for years, right? It's, it's, it's you create your own reality. That's why God is like, let my thoughts mold you into the image of Jesus so that you think like I think. So these mental images form a picture of your perception of reality and what this is, this is the operation of your imagination. And Satan wants to capture your imagination. He wants you to watch a movie inside of your imagination of you being just never being able to overcome that sin habit in your life. Never being able to have what you really desire to have. Never having enough money. Never being healthy again. All of these things, and you have to be careful. It's the operation of your imagination. And out of your imagination flows your behavior. It's just the way it works. It's the way God made you. So this is why our lives are transformed as we renovate our thinking. Does that make sense? So, you, so, so he will throw thoughts trying to get you to take them. So this is how it works. He'll throw thoughts. And if you are not full of the word of God and not in a right environment, you'll start taking those thoughts. You know you take a thought because you'll start talking about it. Man, this thing's just not really working out. Right? I'm, I'm getting worse. You're laying in your bed. Your body's hurting. Maybe it's hurting more. He's turning up the heat. You got, you got all this stuff going on in the natural that looks like, man, there's no way out. And you start taking a thought that this is not going to get better and what's going to happen to my life. It's going to hurt me financially. I'm not going to be able to do this. I mean, who knows what? So then now, as you're taking these thoughts, this, you're, you're literally building. It's like you're a movie producer, a movie editor, and you're taking these pictures a failure, sickness, disease, lack, whatever it is, and you're building a, a perception of reality in your behavior and pre, or in your imagination. And pretty soon, now, you're walking in this. And then what the enemy will do is he will keep feeding that so that you walk in it and walk in it. So now you're walking as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You're thinking wrong thoughts. You're seeing things wrong. And as you keep doing this, the enemy will cause situations and circumstances to keep feeding that because he knows that if your behavior keeps going this way, what's happening as you're walking, you're building your own prison. The Bible calls it a stronghold. And that's what he wants. Where nobody can break in and you can't break out. But I've got good news. If there's strongholds in your life tonight, I've got one word for you. The anointing. The anointing. You have within your grasp. You can't break out of that prison. Nobody could even break in. But, oh, you have a weapon. 
you have a weapon that will bring down every stronghold. It's the word of God. So you have it. You have what it takes. And all of heaven is behind you. Romans chapter 12 in verse 2. And if you're pulling this scripture up, can you pull up the New Living Translation? Uh, we've talked a lot about Romans 12 too, but just going down this progression, look at what it says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't act like somebody who's not saved. The reason why we're not seeing the miracles and the revival in America is because the world has not seen what a Christian is. Right? They can't tell the difference. The only difference is, well, you know, I know a guy who says he's a Christian. He goes to church once in a while. But man, he's just, he's just as beat up and just a mess like everybody else. So when he's asked, well, hey, you want to go to church? Why would I want to do that? There's no, no life. But I got to tell you, there's life in the church. And I'm, you know, this is why we pray for an awakening in the body of Christ so that we would awaken to righteousness and know who we are. What do I mean by that? That just this right here. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. You should make it, you should look at your life, and if there's any behavior in your life, you know, you don't need anybody else to tell you. The Bible says work out your own salvation. You know why? Because you don't need anybody else to work out your own salvation. Tonight as you're sitting here, if you're doing anything wrong, you know it. Right? Doesn't matter if anybody else knows it. You know it. So God is saying, don't behave like the world. But let God transform you into a completely different person. How? By changing the way that you think. You change the way you think, and now God will be able to transform you into a completely different person. But you have to make the decision, I am not going to beat myself up. I am not worthless, and I'm never going to say I'm worthless. I'm never going to, I don't care what, if the whole world says I'm worthless, I know I'm not. Right? I don't care if everything in my life speaks to me and says I'm a failure in life and there's no hope for me. I've got one thing in my life, and oh, by the way, it's the highest authority that says I'm a world overcomer. So whatever, let every man be a liar, but let God be true. And he said he would finish the work he started in me. So I will live long on this earth. I will declare the works of the Lord. I will live and I will not die. Right? I will be above only and not beneath. I will be healed. I'm not going to stay sick. I will not do it. Does that make sense? Because why? Because now when I'm changing the way that I think, now I start thinking right. So now I'm embracing God's thoughts, but they're not coming from the outside I'm putting the word in my heart so now the Holy Spirit is opening the word to me in my heart. And those words as they open, the, the, the word of God, it bring, the Holy Spirit brings revelation. I start to see the word. I don't see words, I see pictures. 
Why? Because I'm meditating in the Word of God day and night so that I may observe to do all that's written therein, and then I will be able to make my way prosperous, and then I will have good success. So now what's happening is now my mind is being filled with these mental images and, and, and literally I'm building a picture of my life living as God says, a world overcomer, the healed, the prosperous, the one who's at peace. I'm no longer angry. I'm no, I don't have inner turmoil. I have peace that passes all understanding. So now I start to see myself living like this, and what happens here is now my life is transformed. Right? So it says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But it goes on to say, but let God transform you. Notice you don't transform you. The word of God does all the work. You just have to be willing and obedient, which means your flesh will not like it. And to that we say, get over yourself, right? Because it's worth it. So here we go. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Everybody wants to know God's will. And everybody gets mad when, you know, they, they, want, they want this and they, they're just like, oh my gosh, here's the job. Man, this is my dream job. I just, now, God's over here going, no, no, just, just listen to me. Right? Or, you know, if I could just meet the person and be married. And then, you, and then in walks this girl. And you're like, oh my gosh, she's everything I wanted. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh my gosh, this is great. But see, you're not, you're not submitted to the Lord, so you're just trying to figure it out. And in the natural, she looks like everything, or this job looks like everything, or this place, this house just looks like everything, or going to work for this company just looks perfect. But you haven't done this. You're copying the behaviors and customs of the world so God's unable to transform you because you haven't changed the way that you're thinking and now you're buying counterfeits and then when they don't work out, you're completely confused. Well, I'm mad at God. Why did God, why did God do this? No, no, brother or sister. No, no, God didn't do anything. You did that. You built the sandbox. You paid for the sand to be put in it and you played in it. And it wasn't God's fault that you bought quicksand, right? It wasn't his fault. So let's come to ourselves and go, okay. It's just like Peter. Okay, Lord Jesus, help me. He'll pull you out of the quicksand. And then you start the process again. But eventually, then you will learn God's will for your life. And his will for you is good and pleasing and perfect. It's the way it works. So let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 3, because this is a passage of scripture that is a must for every believer to walk in revelation of. God will not, he won't manage your thought life. You have to do it. You have to manage your thought life. 
When, you're, when everything within you is screaming, I want to feel sorry for myself, you have a decision to make. Are you going to feel sorry for yourself and go down and let him take you further into this nonsense? Or are you going to say, no, I am not doing this anymore, right? How do you deal with this? Do you try to do it in your own strength? Well, let's put, let's put your mind at ease tonight. You can't. The Bible says here, look at this, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. I'm walking in the flesh, but I don't war after the flesh. So if I'm trying to war after the flesh, Satan's going to be in the background laughing. You know, I've got this thing in my life that I don't like about me, but, but you know what? I'm just going to tough it. I could do this. I could overcome this sin habit. Okay. Great. Knock yourself out with that one. And when, when, you, when you finally come to after you knocked yourself out, you know, let's, let's do it God's way, right? It says, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. This word carnal means they're not fleshly. It means they're not of human origin. The weapons that you have, that you've been given by God, are not, they're not of human origin, and thank God, because it would do you no good. Because your war is not against, your, your, your problem is not your boss. It's not your wife. It's not your husband. It's not the company you work at. It's not the president. It's not Republicans. It's not Democrats. It's not the country you live in. Nope, none of that is it. Now, it's not the church you go to. It's not the pastor you have. No, it's all on you. It's all on me. But the weapon, in order for me to win this battle in my life, to fulfill my call and plan in my life on this earth in this short period of time, I'm going to have to use the weapons that are not of human origin. It says here, but they are mighty. These weapons are mighty through God. They're not mighty in your own strength. So although I have... See, this, these are the weapons. If you have sickness in your body, Galatians 3, 13, and 14 is a mighty weapon. But it's only mighty through God. Which means that if you don't believe it in your heart and then speak it out of your mouth, Galatians 3, 13, and 14, which has all the power to eradicate sickness and disease in your body, it can't. Does that make sense? So we, we see we have weapons. There's 800,000 words in here. There's a lot of weapons. They're not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Right? In other words, the word is one thing, but how does faith come? It comes by hearing the anointed word. What breaks the yoke? The anointing. The anointing that is on the word. So, so that's what we need. So this is our weapon. Look at this. It says here, they are mighty through God to the pulling down. This phrase, pulling down in English, means in the, in, literally in the Greek language, it means the destruction of strongholds. See, you don't dismantle your stronghold. Because if you dismantle it, it could be put back together. 
No, when God's word comes in, it eradicates it. It destroys it. Can't be built anymore. Does that make sense? It destroys it. The pulling down, the destruction of strongholds. See, here's the reality. If you don't deal with the issues of your life, they will become strongholds. This is, this is a life and death deal. And Satan is a terrorist. He will watch your life for 40 years or 50 years or 70 years to take you out. He, you know, he, he, he's real good at that. And, and, and see, he has to be good at it because he has no power anymore. So he can't kick your heart, he can't kick your life down and destroy you. No, he's got to get you to do it. He's got to get you to build that imagination and to build that stronghold. And, and, and this is what he'll do as you're building it. If you'll notice, he'll start separating you from anything that resembles faith, anything that resembles the love of God, anything that resembles the mighty Holy Spirit or the presence of God. So he gets you all alone so he can just talk to you. Right? And, and you don't have to let him do that anymore. You, we're, the Bible says in righteousness, we are established, which means fixed and immovable. He can't move you. So it says here, for the, these weapons are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. This is verse 5 is how it works. Casting down imaginations. The word of God in your mouth will cast down these vain imaginations. Casting down imaginations. This word imaginations means the logical thinking of a deceived mind. The word will root that out. These imaginations that are wrong create walls that imprison you. We got to know that. This is so important. The power of your confession. You're either going to speak life or you're speaking death. You're either being taken, you're taking yourself captive or you're setting yourself free. God's will is that you be free. God's will that you always walk in the victory that Christ has given you. But it'll be up to you and I. This no-fault religion stuff doesn't work. This entertainment Christianity does not work. Because every believer, every, every believer is going to face, you're going to face floods. You're going to face fire. You're going to go into the furnace. Right? You're going to have to go into the water. But you don't go in there alone. And you'll never face anything bigger than who's on the inside of you. You, you never will face anything that could even leave a mark on you when you come out the other side. To be honest with you, the study, if you go a Genesis to Revelation study on that, is whenever the enemy tries to bring stuff, if you'll stay in faith and stay, stay walking in the love of God and led by the Spirit of God, you'll end up going further than you would have been had you not faced that. But you're not going to be this religious idiot that thinks that, well, God brought that so that I couldn't go further. No, no, listen, God doesn't bring evil. He doesn't, he doesn't bring evil to create good. The Bible, we should have got that in Genesis. Everything produces after its own kind. 
That's why you're never going to hear me as a pastor go, well, you know, we really don't, we really don't talk about hell or we don't talk about some things. You know, we just want to get people in our church and, and then we'll disciple them. That's ridiculous, right? No, 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 this is a life and death thing. And we're going to give people the word of God, whether it's popular, whether it's not, we're going to preach the word. We're not going to get off in all this weird stuff. And we're surely not going to get off in this 15-minute services where we never mention a scripture. Because everything I say, the only thing that really is good about any sermon is when we say it's written. It's all about the word of God. So it says, casting down imaginations. The word of God in your mouth will cast down this vain imagination, it'll, dis, it'll literally destroy any stronghold. And it also, every high thing, this means every lofty thing. This Greek word literally means an assault against the mind. The weapons that God has given us, the word of God, will destroy every lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Because see, here's the thing. The word exalts itself. That phrase reveals how subtle Satan is. Because this exalts itself, it literally means something, a thought, a vain imagination that will ultimately grow into a stronghold. That process exalts itself. Something that slowly and progressively takes a place of preeminence in your life. So you start to take this little thought over here. You just, you know, I've been too busy to be in the Word, kind of spending some time around wrong people, get out of church a little bit, and I start thinking a thought. But then if I don't take that thought captive, pretty soon it'll very slowly and progressively take a place of preeminence to where I come to the other end and I sit here and go, I know God's word says this, but. I, I know God's provided healing if it's his will. No longer no healing's mine. See, thoughts. It's like, it's literally this word, a picture of this word would be the frog in the frying pan. You put the frog in this nice warm water and you turn it up one degree and you watch the frog. This is what Satan does. He just watches him. Frog doesn't move because it feels good. And then pretty soon he's used to that one degree more. Then he turns it up another degree. Maybe three, four months go by. Then he turns it up another degree. Pretty soon, five years have gone by and Satan has completely set you up for an attack against your body now to where you've never been sick before. You go to a routine check at a doctor or you have this little pain and all of a sudden, but Satan's been literally feeding you things. You don't need to go to church all the time. You don't need to go to that Bible study. You know, you don't need to be hanging around with these Christians all the time. You know, you don't need this and you don't need that and you don't need to be listening, right? Whatever it is, we don't know what it is, but at the other end of it, all of a sudden, wham! And now you're facing 
this and you have nothing inside of you. Slowly and progressively takes a place of preeminence against what? Against the knowledge of God. Well, what is the knowledge of God? This is the knowledge of God right here. It's God's word. That he's your healer. That he's your provider. You know, we have Christians that go to church that never have tithed and never honor God in their offerings. And they wonder why they're not blessed. Or, here's the bigger one, or they make enough money where they actually think they're blessed. Because I'm doing okay. You know, and, and, and I'm just doing okay. But be careful, right? Because it's not okay. I just, you know, this person really did me wrong. And I just, I know I got to forgive them. But I'm just, you know, I'm just mad right now. I just need to, I need a little time. Right? I just need a little time. And, and I just, but I let it go. And then all of a sudden you blink. And now I've been walking in unforgiveness for six months. And by this time, if some spiritual pride is kicked in, I don't even know that I'm walking in unforgiveness towards that person because I'm so up to here with me that I don't even think about it anymore. And all of a sudden, I'm come to church and, and you know, I, I, I make some decent money and I dress kind of nice and I have a decent car, so, you know, I'm in leadership. I have a title, right? And, and, and I, I'm doing pretty good and everybody thinks, Oh my gosh, you know, he quotes the word, he's this, he's awesome. But behind all that is this poor gentleman who's in diapers spiritually and he has some things that the enemy's just sitting there just smiling because he knows you're, 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 in about five years you're going to face something. It's gonna, and, and boy, it's going to be fun because I'm going to blow you out of the water. See, we know how he works so we don't have to worry about that. I get up every day. Father, I declare to you in obedience to your word, I am so grateful that all my sin was condemned in the body of Jesus. That literally, Father, sin doesn't dominate me anymore. You've given me life. So Father, I declare to you today in obedience to your word, I forgive everybody who's ever wronged me. I harbor no unforgiveness in my heart. If I'm missing that, if I'm missing anyone, bring it to my remembrance and I will all instantly forgive. But Father, I declare, I harbor no unforgiveness in my heart at all. And anybody who's wronged me in any way, Father, you, you said, whoever sins that I remit, they would be remitted. So don't hold those against that person. Well, I'll tell you, that just brings a freshness into your life. Right? Father, I'm walking, I'm trusting you that I'm yielding to the love of God that's in my heart today. I'm going to walk in love because love never fails. Right? I'm going to walk by your faith today. I'm so grateful that you've given me a measure of your faith. I'm so thankful that as I'm submitted to your word, I walk humbly before you and I hear your word. And therefore, my faith grows. And I'll be led by the Spirit of God and I'll be courageous today because I don't have a spirit of fear. Thank you so much that that old spirit man that I was that was ridden with fear, guilt and shame and death, it's not me anymore. See, you start walking like that, 
How often do you have to walk like that? All the time. And here's the cool thing. The Holy Spirit's on the inside of you to help you. Now, once you start walking like that, this is what the enemy will do. Oh, man, here's an individual. They're really trying to do this thing right. So let me try to magnify everything. Right? So then you'll, you'll start thinking you're wearing yourself out. Well, you know, you start, you're just beating yourself up all the time. No, you need to walk around and say, oh, Father, I thank you. I'm in Christ. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. I'm so thankful. You don't condemn me. I'm not going to condemn me. All, anything I've done wrong was condemned once and for all before I was even born. Isn't that amazing? You start to walk free. It says here, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every, notice it didn't say almost every, it said every thought to the obedience, look at this, of the anointed one and his anointing, into the obedience. You know what this Greek word literally means? It means that you make your mind listen. It literally means to make listen. You, in the makeup of who you are, your spirit man, who is perfect, will always let you know if you're going down a wrong road. And in case you might miss anything, oh, the Holy Spirit, who is already in every day of your life, who knows everything you'll face, is there too. He'll keep you. Literally, it brings every thought. It makes it literally makes my mind listen to every thought that God says and take captive every thought that's not from him. That's what this weapon does. What, what is this weapon? It is the word of God. In your mouth. This is why it says, and they overcame him, not only by the blood of the lamb, but by the word of their testimony. Not by the word of somebody else's testimony, by the word of their testimony. Yeah, but really, I don't really have a testimony. I mean, you know, there's people that have been healed, and I, I'm, just, I'm just Tony. No, no, no. No, you, you, every Christian had the biggest miracle. You started this walk with God with the biggest miracle that could ever happen. You were literally changed. You were, you were taken out of death and, been br and brought right into spiritual life. Born again. It's the biggest miracle. It's a lot bigger than God healing your kidney or your liver. That's just a little tiny thing. But he's provided that too. Our biggest battle is in our mind. We battle against preconceived notions that tells us that God's word will not work. And don't ever believe it. Because God's word always works, let's finish the sentence, if you work it. It won't work automatically. We battle against these preconceived notions that the word of God doesn't work. I'm here to tell you, every word of it works. Every word. It's settled in heaven. But here's the reality. 
If you were to look at this word right here, from Genesis to maps, every person that's ever failed in the Bible, every person, read, read it, every person that ever failed, it all started with them taking a wrong thought. They took a wrong thought, they never took it captive, and that wrong thought eventually produced death in their life. Everyone. Jeanette and I, one of the things we did 30 years ago, we, we, we decided, well, you know, divorce is not an option. Amen. Now, my wife has said murder is an option, so <laughs> I, I, you know, it keeps me in line because uh, she could get away with that. But uh, no, just, <laughs> no, but divorce, we just don't mention it, right? Because it's not an option. You know, do you know getting in the word and having it first place in my life is not an option? Not walking in love is not an option. Not walking by faith is not an option. And my flesh hates that. I have to beat that thing up black and blue all the time. You know, I have, there's an aggressiveness in my flesh that is just ridiculous. But you know what? I don't have options. Right? Those of you guys who've been around here for, you know, 13 years, you see... Kind of, I'm what you see is what you get. Everything good in my life, it's not because of me. It's because of him. Everything. Everything. But I live my life, and actually, the more I grow in God, the fewer options I have. Right? You talk to the Lord about wanting, wanting him to increase the anointing in your life, and he'll start talking to you about faithfulness, and he'll start talking to you about anytime I want you, you pull away. It changes everything in your life. It changes your whole study life because you don't study what, I don't ever study what I want to study anymore. I get quiet, I pray in the spirit, and, and the Lord stirs me on what to study. I, but I love it. I love it because I get to know him. Working out only what he's working in. Thoughts are governed, you've heard me say this before, by observation, by the things that you're observing. You want to submit what you observe to the Lord and let him lead you. There's some, that, that means there will probably be some movies you won't be able to go to, some TV shows you might not be able to watch. you got to be careful what you're observing. Thoughts are governed by your associations the people that you associate with. So you're going to have to be careful who you associate with. Now, i got to be careful in word of faith circles because we tend to be Christian bubble people. And that, I'm not saying that we're not around unbelievers. If you're not around unbelievers, you need to change some things in your life. But being around unbelievers and associating with unbelievers is two different things. I'm not going to anybody who's not a Christian who, well, I shouldn't say it this way. Anybody who's not walking with God as number one in their life, I'm not going to them for advice. I'm not going to them for advice. If, if I have a financial person that might not be saved or is whatever, you know what, then I have to submit that to the Lord and only follow what he says. Right? Associations. The third thing 
where, where all of these thoughts are governed by is the teaching you sit under. So why it's very important what you hear. Satan would love to get you on uh, this, this end-time prophecy track when you just got diagnosed with stage four cancer. It doesn't matter pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. You need to get the word in you on what it is about healing, right? It, it doesn't matter. I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to study the lineage of Jesus if I need to learn how to walk in love. Does that make sense? Because I don't have time for that. Unless that's what the Lord is leading me to study. Is that right? Right? So like if I'm a teenager, I'll guarantee you that the Lord is going to lead me to, to study on honoring my mom and dad. Or if I don't have a dad honoring my mom, if I don't have a mom honoring my dad. Why? Because in my flesh, man, you hit about 12 years old, you become I know everything and my parents are idiots. Right? Every teenager, just, just, just look ahead, smile and go, I got this. It's all, nobody will ever know. Trust me, you can never make a mistake that we haven't already made. But honoring. See, God will take you through things. You might be facing a mountain, but your problem might be that you don't know God loves you. So he might have you over here. So always follow his lead. See, our enemies always attempting to create wrong thoughts for us. Plant them and nurture them. That's what he wants to do all the time. But faith is the power source for changing every circumstance in your life. Faith. Other factors, though, must be mixed with faith to produce results. Remember James 2.17, and now we're coming down to the end of this. In James chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Even so faith, if it hath not works... The Amplified Translation really brings out the definition of what works are. I don't like the word works because we get into this works mentality. But this word works literally means corresponding action. See, there's a lot of people that will tell you, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus. But there is no change in their life. I've got to question that because, see, I can't go to God and go, oh yeah, I'm in a service and, and I'm crying and, and I'm like, oh God, you know, I know you're real. That doesn't save you. What saves you is when you do the flesh-wrenching statement. I believe in my heart that you are who you said you are. That your father rose you from the dead. You are the God of all creation. You are my Lord. You're Lord of all, and now you're my Lord. Now when I say that, boom, I'm made brand new. But faith without corresponding action, the Bible says, is dead. Being alone. So if your behavior, or in other words, if your corresponding actions do not line up with what you believe, then your faith dies unborn. Let me say that again, because this is how this works. If your corresponding actions or your behavior does not line up with what you believe, then your faith will die unborn. Does that make sense? 
if your behavior or your corresponding actions lines up with your belief, then power is released to change your circumstances. That's what we want. Behavior is always determined by the decision-making process of the soul, which operates under the law of the mind. Well, I really wanted to get to the parable of the sower tonight. I've been wanting to get to the parable of the sower almost every service, but I haven't got there. That's okay. But I hope this helps you tonight because there's power in your tongue and we want that going for life. So we got to go back and make sure what I'm observing is right. The associations that I have are right. The teaching that I'm hearing is right. Yeah, right? So don't, don't let wrong things in your life. You'll start thinking right. And see, when you think right, then when Satan throws a wrong thought, you'll just sit there and go, whoa, you'll become hypersensitive to this, and you'll take it captive with the Word of God. Amen?